Hey, City Church, how are you guys doing? It's good to be with you this morning. Well, Sherry and I are wrapping up our Uncommon Bravery series today, and we want to start by asking you a question. Who made you? And how did he make you? That's right. You are good because you are created in the image of God. And so last week we talked about vulnerability and how allowing ourselves to be seen is a very uncommon kind of bravery. And today we're gonna continue by taking this concept of uncommon bravery outside of ourselves. And we're gonna learn how we can see others. You know, I remember it was about 12 years ago in what I affectionately call my BC days, my before Christ days. I was in a relationship and I was invited to join the family for the very first time for Christmas, for the holidays. And so I was super excited. And then the person that I was with informed me that part of the Christmas family tradition was that we went to church, they went to church at 11 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Now, I wasn't too excited about that part. You see, I had been hurt by church and I hadn't been to a church in many, many years. But who was I to question the family tradition? And I was invited, so I was totally motivated. And I remember being all dressed up on our way to church with my then five-year-old son in the car. And we were driving right here down Braun Road when we see these four teenagers on their skateboards. They had no parents. They were dressed in all black. One of them had a mohawk. They all had chains hanging down off of their pants that all looked like they were about to fall off at any moment. And they were yelling and they were being rambunctious. And I remember saying out loud in the car, those punk kids are about to rob somebody's house and ruin Christmas for some family. And I was totally disgusted. People are complex. It's part of what makes us human. We're created in the image of God and God is incredibly complex. All we have to do to see people's complexity is move in close to them. And with some people that is super easy. For example, I can tell you all kinds of things about Michelle. I can tell you about her family and your kids. I can tell you how she strategically places chapstick in all of the places in her life and how it's really weird. <laughs> I like Michelle. We're actually not that different from one another. So it's easy to move in close and get to know her, to see her complexities. We all have people like this in our lives. But that's not the case with everyone. Because sometimes we encounter people that we don't want to move in close to. Now, for clarity's sake, I'm talking about people that we want to keep at a distance, not people that we need to keep in a distance at a distance because they're unsafe or because maybe some abuse or some things like that have gone on. That's 100% okay. What we're talking about here today are those people that we want to keep at a distance. We want to keep that distance between us and them. Whether them is a person we don't get along with or a group of people whose ideology just doesn't match ours. The idea of moving in and getting close to them sounds really uncomfortable. Kind of like groups of teenagers we see skateboarding on Braun Road at 11 o'clock at night on Christmas Eve. 
When we move in close, we see people's complexities. When we keep people at a distance, we can't see those complexities. And so sometimes we reduce that person down or those people down to a single characteristic, like punk kids. So let's try something really quick. I want you to think of someone that you really like, someone that you're close to, right? Do you have somebody in your head? I bet without breaking a sweat, you could tell me 10 things about that person, no problem. All right, now I want us to do something a little different. I want you to think about somebody you don't really like, somebody that frustrates you, somebody you struggle to get along with, whether it's at work, in your neighborhood, at home, wherever. Do you have that person in your head? I bet you could describe them in one word. If it's a bad word, don't say it out loud. They're like children here, all right? We are really, really good at this game, right? The person who zooms by us on the highway is a maniac. The person who drives slower than we'd prefer is an idiot. The person who puts us on hold for too long is incompetent. The person on the other side of the political aisle is a moron. The teenager with the mohawk is a punk kid. We might even do this to groups of people because all Democrats are, all Republicans are, just fill in the blank. All women are, all men are, all Christians are, all Muslims are, fill in the blank. We could play this game all day long. But just like those kids in the video, we all understand that people have value, that they deserve to be loved. But the problem comes in when we reduce people down and we create an us versus them posture. And we start to see those people as bad, as morally inferior, as our enemy, as evil or malicious. And that's where it starts to get dangerous. When we see people or groups of people as just one thing, we strip them of their complexities. And if we strip people of their complexities, we actually strip them of their humanity. Dehumanization happens when we lose our ability to see that the people around us, even the people that we don't like, are complex, that they're created in the image of God. But we're called to so much more. We're called to see people created in the image of God. So how do we do this? So when Jesus was here on this earth, he challenged people to think about things differently. And one of the things that he challenged people on were around the Jewish beliefs around what's clean and unclean. What was clean was acceptable. What was unclean was absolutely unacceptable. The rules around what was clean and unclean existed to separate the Jewish people from the non-Jewish people, from the Gentiles, to keep them at a distance. The title unclean, it was like this blanket term that the Jews used to describe everyone outside of what was normal to them. They reduced them down to a single characteristic. But when Jesus was around, he moved in and he associated with unclean people all the time. When he encountered sick people, he would move in. When he encountered Gentiles, he would move in. When someone needed him, he would move in. Now, this may not seem like a huge deal, but he was challenging laws and cultural norms that had existed for 1,500 years. This was a big deal. But unfortunately, people didn't get it. 
And Jesus knew that he wasn't gonna be around for forever here on earth to continue to guide people. And so he promised his believers a helper called the Holy Spirit who would guide Jesus' followers after Jesus was gone. And sure enough, just like he had promised, when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came and he was with all of the Jewish believers. And one of those believers was Peter. Now, Peter was Jesus' right-hand man. He would have been with him, like, constantly. And Peter is a super relatable guy. We can read about it in scripture. He gets confused, he doubts, he gets hangry like the rest of us do. Peter's also a Jewish man. And even though he had seen Jesus move in with people who the law called unclean, he still lives by the Jewish law because he defaults back to what he's always known. He only eats foods that are clean and he only associates with people who are clean. He just didn't get it. Peter defaulted back to what was comfortable. Now that Christmas over 12 years ago, we arrived here at this church and we walk into the auditorium and we sit over here in this section. And it was literally the first time that I had been to church in several years and it was certainly the first time that I had attended a service at a non-Catholic church. So the environment alone had me totally confused. Like there were no pews, there was no altar, there was nowhere to kneel. I was completely out of my comfort zone. And then several folks come out from backstage and they pick up instruments. And one guy even comes and he sits behind this full-blown drum set. And then the lights fade and they start playing what sounds like rock music. And I mean, the lyrics on the screen are talking about Jesus, but it was certainly never anything that I had heard come out of a hymnal before. And then about 10 minutes into service, these four teenagers come and they scoot into the aisle directly in front of me. And they were wearing all black. And they had no parents. And one of them had a mohawk. And they all had chains hanging off of their pants that looked like they were gonna fall to the ground at any point in time. And they were clapping. And they were singing out loud to this rock music that talked about Jesus. I had never experienced anything like this in church. I defaulted to what I knew and I was so confused and I was so uncomfortable. So one day, Peter is hanging out. It's a little bit before lunch, so he's getting hangry. When all of a sudden he has this crazy vision while he's praying. And in the vision, the sky opens up in front of him and he sees all kinds of animals in front of him, many which would have been considered unclean. And a voice says to him, it says, Peter, get up, kill the animals and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times. So Peter is incredibly confused. My first experience in a non-Catholic church, I was so uncomfortable because I defaulted back to my understanding that church is supposed to be a place for those people who have it all together. 
I mean, church is where you put on your Sunday best. You're entering into God's house, so you must look presentable. You have to follow the rules in order to be welcomed and accepted. You have to conform and fit in. In my experience, everyone would know if you were an outsider because you wouldn't know the right prayer to pray at the right time or when to sit or when to stand or when to kneel or at what point you hold hands across the aisle. Now, I can't even begin to tell you the life that I was living at the time, the singular thing that people could have reduced me down to when I stepped into City Church for the very first time. Remember, these were my BC days. But even so, I defaulted back to what I knew and I put on my Sunday best. I at least knew the rules of how to fit in amongst the religious and I could certainly play by them. So why wasn't anyone else batting an eye? How come I was the only one that had this gut reaction to move my purse underneath my seat and scoot my kid just a little bit closer to me? How come I was the only one that was trying to keep a distance between me and these punk kids? So then it starts to get even crazier for Peter. Because as if seeing crazy visions aren't enough, then he hears a voice tell him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. Can you guys even imagine? You're sitting there, you're minding your own business, and you start having visions. And then some, a voice tells you, hey, there's some folks at the door, go with them, it's not a big deal. Like, sure, why not? And so Peter, probably very confused, he gets up and he goes with those men. And they take him to the home of a Roman military captain, a Gentile, someone who's unclean. Peter would have spent his entire life keeping people like this at a distance because to Peter, the Gentiles were bad, they were morally inferior, they were the enemy, they were unclean but he remembers what he heard in that vision. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And so Peter, with a great deal of hesitancy, decides to move in. And so he goes into the house and he sees that even more Gentiles had gathered and he starts to tell them about Jesus and what Jesus had done on the cross and they listened. And right then, while Peter was still talking, they believed. These unclean Gentiles, these people that Peter and all of these Jews have kept at a distance for over a millennia, they had believed and they received the Holy Spirit exactly like how the Jewish believers had. And Peter and the Jews that had come with him were absolutely dumbfounded. Their entire worldview had just been flipped on its head because they could see that the good news of Jesus wasn't just for people like them. It was for everyone. Two summers after that Christmas Eve, my life came crashing down and I hit what I call my rock bottom. I didn't feel like I could count on people. I felt very isolated and very alone. I was at the end of myself and I needed help. I needed hope and church was the absolute last place that I thought that I could find it. 
You see, I wasn't interested in putting on my Sunday best or meeting any religious standards or putting in an all is well front. But it was then in that moment that I remembered a place across town where these kids with mohawks and chains would ride their skateboards in the middle of the night to go to church without their parents and no one batted an eye. No one but me anyway. And so I found myself here once again and it is then that I heard the good news about Jesus and that he loved me and that he died on a cross for me and that I was not what I had done and that Jesus wanted to have a personal relationship with me and that all I had to do was believe. I didn't have to be in my Sunday best. I didn't have to pretend like everything was okay. I didn't have to know the rules of the religion to be accepted. I didn't have to be clean. I learned that Jesus wasn't just for people like them, that he was for everyone, that he was for people just like me. And so that day, I believed, and I put my faith in Jesus. Uncommon bravery is moving in and seeing people's complexity. God is calling us out of the crowd, out of our comfort zones, and asking us to move in. So here's what we're gonna do today. It's simple to say, but it's incredibly difficult to do. We have to move in. We have to start seeing people the way that God sees them, as complex people created in the image of God. We have to stop calling unclean what God has made clean. It turns out that people are really, really hard to hate up close. Because when we get up close, we can see their complexities, we can see their hurts, we can see their hangups, we can see their hopes and their dreams. We can see that they're more than one simplified thing. Even if we disagree with them, we can see that they're a person created in the image of God. We can see their complexities. At a distance, those Gentiles were nothing but unclean to Peter. But when he moved in, he learned that there was so much more. If you go and you read this story in scripture in Acts, Peter had to be told no less than seven times to move in. And in addition, it would take him another 15 years before he really, really got it. But he had to start somewhere. We all have to start somewhere. Even if it takes baby steps, move in. Even if it takes time, move in. Even if it's uncomfortable, move in. Even if it goes against your social structure, move in. That person in your office who's annoying, ask them about their weekend. Your neighbor who you wish would mow their lawn more often, take them over a batch of cookies. That person on the other side of the political aisle, ask them about their kids. People love talking about their kids. Your Muslim coworker, ask them if they watched the royal wedding. That teenager with the tattoos that you wish would stop texting your daughter, ask him what he's watching on Netflix. That family member, you know which one I'm talking about. Invite him over for dinner, share a meal with them. Take the first step, but don't just do it once. 
Do it again and again and again. And when you're thinking you're done, do it again. It took Peter seven times in 15 years. So we know it's going to take us more than once. But move in and see people's complexities. See the face of God, even in someone that you want to hold at a distance. You know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was blanketing those teenagers and reducing them down to punk kids. But what I realize now is how incredibly wrong I was. You see, I could make exceptions for myself because I understood all of my complexities, but I couldn't see theirs. And I'm so grateful for those kids because God used them to draw me back to this place almost two years later. And I have not been the same since. Now I do wanna point something out that just because I became a believer does not mean that my perspective changed immediately. It took me a few years and a lot of stumbles along the way to begin to realize that God's way, not my way, is how to thrive in this life. It took me years to be able to move in close enough to see the image of God in everyone. And I do mean everyone. No more blanket statements, no more categorizations. And frankly, I'm still a work in progress. I will be until the day that I am home with Jesus. We all are. But what I do understand is that I see everyone is complex and that everyone is created in the image of God. And so today we're asking you to do the same thing. You know, earlier Sherry asked you to think of somebody who you purposefully keep at a distance. So I want you to bring them back up in your head for me for just a second. You got it? Who made them? Oh, this one's hard. Who made them? And how did he make them? That's right. They were also created good because they were created in the image of God. And I know that this takes uncommon bravery to get out of our comfort zones, to move in and to see people for their complexity and to see that everyone was created in his image. But this is so incredibly important because if we don't move in, we become a stumbling block and a hindrance to the spread of the gospel and to the spread of hope. What if Peter didn't move in? What if he held on tight to what he had previously known and he defaulted back and he refused to get out of his comfort zone? What if he held on to the belief that Jesus wasn't for people like that, the unclean Gentiles? The gospel would have stopped right there. And I'm so thankful that he didn't. You see, I am a Gentile. I am not of Jewish descent. Sherry is a Gentile, and I'm going to assume that many of you are also Gentiles. It was because of Peter moving in and getting uncomfortable and seeing the image of God in the Gentiles that we even have the opportunity to be here today to talk about and to listen to and to converse about the good news of Jesus. If Peter didn't move in, the gospel would have stopped.
Now, Peter was one person. I am one person, you are one person, and we can make a difference. But together, together, all of us with Christ, when we pull together and we move in, we can be absolutely unstoppable. You know, something that is incredibly heartbreaking for me is that the church as a whole today in our society is known more for what it is against than what it is for. And this is not okay. But what gives me hope is you, City Church. It is seeing God move in you and through you. You see, this place, this place is just a building, but you are the church. We are the church and we are showing up in really big ways. Next week, when we have all of the results in and we have everything tallied up, we are gonna share just how big we showed up together for Feed SA and for our city. And as I anticipate seeing those final results, I am reminded of who we are and what we stand for. You see, it does not matter if you are a biker or a banker, if you have a GED or a PhD, if you're blue collar, white collar, or if you wear a dog collar. It doesn't matter if you volunteer your time or you have served time, if you wear bangle bracelets or you're sporting an ankle bracelet, if you listen to punk rock and have a mohawk or if you have big hair, we do not care because you are welcome here. We are a church for people that don't like church. We are a church for people who have been hurt by church. We are a church for people who are exploring if there is a God that even exists. For people that are hurting, that are lost, that are broken, that are addicted. For people who are at their rock bottom. We are a church that does not tolerate blanket statements. A church that courageously connects, that radically loves, and that moves in and sees the face of God in everyone. We are a church that needs to to refuse to sit on the sidelines and believe that the way that our world is today is the best that we can do. We will be a church that shows up with uncommon bravery, that moves in and sees the image of God in everyone. And when we do this, the gospel, the spread of hope is absolutely unstoppable in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our city, in our world. So let us be the church that comes together and shows up with uncommon bravery. Join me in prayer. God, I just come before you and I thank you so much for everyone that is here in the video cafe and that's listening and watching online. And God, for everybody that is listening to these words right now, I just pray for you to build a fire in our souls, build a fire in our spirit and fan the flames. God, give us your eyes. Give us the eyes to see other people the way that you see them. 
past their exterior, past their makeup, God, help us to have uncommon bravery to move in and see the face of you in them. God, there are people that are hurting, that are people that are lost, there are kids that think that there is no more hope left, God. Call on us, we stand here and we are saying yes to you, we are saying we are ready, we are willing. God, use us as your hands and feet on this earth to bring the news of hope the news of Jesus and the good news that you died on a cross for all people, for all of us. And God, this Memorial Day weekend, I just wanna lift up those families, those families who know what it is like to have uncommon bravery and who have paid the ultimate sacrifice. God, I wanna lift up the true heroes, our servicemen and women, because we know that freedom is not free, and I thank you for their sacrifice that we can even be here today to have this discussion about you. God, wrap your loving arms around those families who have lost a service person, who have lost a service member in the line of duty, God. I lift them up in prayer, wrap them around your, with your love and with your peace. And I pray all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Here at City Church, we want everyone to get courageously connected because we are so much better together. And a great way to get courageously connected is by volunteering here at City Church. We have opportunities in our kids and our youth areas right now, but we also have stuff for kind of everyone's interests. And so if you're interested in getting connected in that way, come see us at the Center Pavilion after service. Another way to get courageously connected is to sign up for summer nights. You can find all that info at city.church today. Next week, we're doing baptism, so get fired up about that. And also next week, we're kicking off a brand new series called Magnum Opus, and Pastor Witty's gonna be here to uh, kick that off with us. You guys enjoy the rest of your day, and please don't leave if you're in need of prayer. Our prayer counselors will be down front.